Y'all ready for the message this morning? I am. I've even got props today. I mean, I'm really, really ready today, all right? Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing on this time of study and His Word. Father, we're so grateful to, uh, that we are the people of God. And today, uh, as we explore one more important aspect and, and metaphor of the church, we ask that you would enlighten us and teach us and help us to grow not only in our understanding, but also our application of these principles. Father, we ask that you continue your work in building the church. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. This morning, I'm, let's see, what, it, well, what have we already studied? Let me just check and see if you remember. We've been talking about five metaphors for the church. We've already covered a number so far. Who can remember what we've covered? The church as the body, the church as the bride, and the church as the army. That was last Sunday, right? The army. By the way, we got real serious with the army last week, and I've just talked to so many people this week that have seemed to have what I call counterattacks. It just seems as though the enemy ramped up all of his missiles this last week and gave everybody double, double shots. So I just urge you, if you, didn't, if you weren't here last Sunday, please go to our media page. That message is uploaded. You can listen to it. You can catch up with that. And, uh, and, and if you were here, put into practice the things we talked about, all right? The enemy always likes to intimidate us once we, once we let people know that, that he's been defeated. He always likes to rise up. So don't let that distract you at all. Just really walk in the power and the authority of Jesus, amen? But today, we are on our next metaphor of the church, and that is the church as the what? The house of the Lord. Now, there's a powerful prophecy in Isaiah chapter 2, I'm just going to read it to you. I didn't put it on the screen for you. Listen to what this says. This is a, prof a prophetic word through the prophet Isaiah predicting what God was going to do in the latter days. Listen to what it says. Now it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above all the hills and all nations will flow into it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. Did you know that God has always wanted to have a house? It has always been his desire to build us. God is a builder. And it's always been his dream to build a habitation and we see it historically but i just want to remind you of a couple of scriptures that will help to highlight that as we talk today about the fact that we are god's building in first peter chapter 2 verse 4 and 5 all the way in the new testament now we'll back up and look at several other scriptures it says as you come to him the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by god and precious to him you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ. Do you notice verse 5 there? It says, you are being built into what? A spiritual house. Now, I want you to understand that these words are used interchangeably, really, depending on your translation, version of the Bible, etc. But I want you to understand they're all speaking the same thing. Whether it's temple, whether it's house, 
or whether it's a building, it's all speaking of a structure, something that God is building. This is foreshadowed in the Old Testament. As we see, what, what, what do we see foreshadowing the church in the Old Testament? We see the tabernacle of Moses, don't we? It was a place where God wanted to dwell with his presence by his spirit right there in the tabernacle. And yes, it was portable and mobile, but it was still God was looking for a house. And then later, what replaced the tabernacle? Come on, Bible students. The temple, yes. The temple, Solomon's temple, replaced the tabernacle, right? This was more permanent. Once again, it was, in Old Testament terms, it was the house of God. It was the Lord's habitation, his dwelling place. And then we get in the New Testament. And the New Testament, Jesus Christ comes and he makes us his dwelling place. No longer needing the tabernacle, the animal sacrifices, and the Old Testament priesthood. No longer needing the temple in all of its grandeur and splendor. But now, the Bible says that you are God's building. Look at 1 Corinthians 3. For we are co-workers in God's service. That's a neat concept too, isn't it? Patricia, you and I, we're just co-workers. We're partners. We work together. Will, you and I, we're co-partners in doing God's work together. And then he goes on and uses a couple of metaphors in this particular text. But one of them is that he says, you are God's building. And he's speaking corporately here. You as a group are God's building. Listen to me carefully. God is building a house today. He's always wanted a house We'll explain why in a moment. But he's always wanted a house, a place, a dwelling place, a temple, a building. And now he declares to us as New Testament Christians, he says, now you are God's building here on earth. The focus of this series is we're really studying the church and its different aspects. And we know the church is more than one person. It's all of us together being built together. So in a local church context, you are God's building. Now I want us to dig and understand this a little bit more. And just a couple of illustrations. That's a painting on the left just to illustrate the whole idea of being built into a house. And on the right, that's one of the great, uh, great uh, beautiful structures in the city of Ephesus. I need some help. Let's see. Delane, I need... Women can handle this, but I'll pick on Delane. Let's see. Who else am I going to pick on today? I'm going to pick on George. Delane, and let's see, Thelma. You feel strong today, Thelma? How do you feel? I think you can handle it. So I need each of you to take one of these stones and help me out, all right? All right, if you'll just come and stand. You can hand. I'm here to help you, Thelma. I'm here. Come stand right up here, guys, all right? Now, here's the idea that I want you to get. I brought these bricks to illustrate to you that... Uh, and. These are stones or bricks, obviously. And in order for them to make any sense, they have to be put together, right? The Bible tells us in the New Testament that what? Who are the stones in the New Testament building? We are. Thelma is a living stone. So this is, this is representing Thelma. This is Delane. And you may notice they're not identical. You notice? There's little imperfections. They're all a little bit different, aren't they? And yet, here's George's, and in, 
You got a big scar in it. Yeah, yeah I, okay, I get it. And uh, so as a living stone, we know that it's, it's great to know that we're each living stones. Have you ever stopped to think about that whole designation that we're living stones? In of itself, doesn't that like, say, how can, wait a minute, I thought stones were inorganic. That doesn't make sense that they're living stones. That's the beauty of that scripture. It's speaking of something that, yes, yeah, something that just like a brick this is brick is not alive, but it says you and me, we are living stones. Now, guys, I want y'all, I'll just ask you to cooperate here. I want you to build those stones together neatly, two on the bottom row, one on top of them. So I'm happy that you put yours on top. Very good. You, excellent job. Now y'all can be seated. Didn't they do good? Give them a hand. Now, we are being built into a spiritual house. You and I, as a church, we're a spiritual house. Now, there's a number of things that we can apply here. Before we talk about the church as the house of the Lord, let's make sure we understand that there's another application. Did you know that you are spoken of in the New Testament as individually you are a house of God? Yeah. The Scripture tells us, for example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the Scripture teaches us what? This is where the Lord says, Don't you know? Don't you know? That you, yourselves, individually, are God's temple and God's spirit dwells? 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. As an individual born by the Spirit of God, you have become a temple, a house, a building. No longer needing the tabernacle of old, you now are the dwelling place for God's Spirit. As an individual, Paul's admonishing us to, to be considerate of our physical bodies because we are individually, we're temples of the Holy Spirit. Once you're born again, once you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and He lives and abides right here on the inside of you. That makes you now the habitation of God's Spirit. You're carrying Him around with you wherever you go. You are God's house as an individual. Both of those scriptures support that, right? So that is true, but in a broader sense and more in keeping with our series, we learn in the scripture that together, Holy Spirit is dwelling in each of us as living stones, but together... We're being built together. Look at the scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 21 and 22, corporately. See, look, at the, look at the language here. In him, in Christ, the whole building is joined together. And it rises. What's the idea here? It's being built together and it rises to become a holy temple of the Lord. In other words, speaking of rising, it means it's layer by layer. We have one row of bricks, then another row, then another row, and it keeps being built up, and eventually you get a wall, and then you get another wall, and eventually you have a whole building, right? Comprised of what? Each living stone being added to the next, being built together to become a dwelling. Everybody say dwelling. dwelling. See, building, temple, house dwelling in which god lives by his spirit 
Many people have never stopped to think of the marvel of the concept of us as a church being the building, the house, the temple of the Lord. Now let's be really clear. The buildings that we meet in are not the house of the Lord. I know sometimes our linguistics get all messed up and sometimes we say, we're going to the house of the Lord. Now that, this is not the house of the Lord. But when we are together, we are the house of the Lord. If you came here alone... You're just being an individual dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. There's nothing about the bricks in this actual building that make it holy. But as a person that's been cleansed, forgiven, made righteous by Jesus Christ, He dwells in you. But amazing, when we get together and then we let our lives be built together, the whole building is joined together. And it rises to become this magnificent, holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by spirit. Notice what text this is from, Bible reference. What book of the Bible does this come from? Ephesians. Can I go back and show you the picture? In the, book, in the city of Ephesus, which I've had a chance to lead a Bible tour of, amazing, one of the most amazing cities to see all the ruins that are still there. He was speaking to people who were very familiar with, with pagan temples. And what he's saying is, don't worry about all those buildings that are here in the city of Ephesus. God's doing something unique for you individually. You as a church, the church at Ephesus, you're being joined together, built together into something far greater and mightier than those architecturally splendid buildings that you have around you in this city. But you're being built to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Wow. So when we think about the church as a building, there's a few key elements that we need to make sure we understand. Number one, it has a builder. Number two, it has a foundation. And number three, it has materials, as would be true in any building. Let's take a moment. First of all, it has a builder. Who is the builder of the house of the Lord today? Jesus Christ. We've read and used the scripture in this series from Matthew 16, 16, 16 through 18, where Jesus said, what? I will build my church. Who's the builder? Y'all not cooperating very well today. Who's the builder? Jesus. It's his building, but he's the builder. Every building has to have a builder. You go by a, a house under construction, and usually you see a sign posted out in the yard. The contractor is, is very proud of acknowledging and getting every kind of promotion that they can out of the fact that I'm the builder of this house. Jesus is the builder of our house. And there's many scriptures that demonstrate that to us. We don't have time to get them all, but I'm also thinking of, uh, of the great scripture that we have in Psalm 127 and verse 1 that says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who are laboring, they're just doing it. It's a waste. So it says what? We need to remember what? Who's the builder? Let us never forget who's building this house. Let us never forget who is the builder. He's both the architect and the builder. Okay? In Ephesians, it goes on to talk about the foundation of apostles and prophets and other gift ministries in the church. But most importantly, we need to remember who is the general contractor? Who is the primary contractor on this project? And it is Jesus, right? Carrie and I were, I'm trying to remember how many years we've been married. I guess uh, our, we had young sons, maybe uh, two and four, as I recall. So we haven't been married all that long. And I got this bright idea. 
I think I've told this story once and embarrassed myself one other time previously. But I got the bright idea. Um, someone sold me, uh, being as young and gullible as I was, someone sold me on the fact that we could build a do-it-yourself home. Now you're looking at me like, were you really that stupid? I know that's what you're thinking. Okay? But someone sold me on the fact that we could save a lot of money. If we own the, the real estate, we could build our own home. And I was, my attitude was, I can do anything. No problem. Yeah, it doesn't matter the fact that I have absolutely no mechanical sense, no, none of those. Some of you stop grinning at me. You know me well. None of that matters. I ought, I, they give you the manual. Follow the manual. Just follow the steps. So I signed the deal. Can't believe Carrie uh, went along with it. Now she would definitely have thrown herself in front of the car. But anyway, back then, she's like, Honey, whatever you think is, whatever you think's right, we'll do it. Yeah. So, signed the deal, spent the money, and man, they start unloading materials, dropping it on the property. And all I can tell you is the entire experience was miserable from day one to the time I finally pawned it off and sold the house and the property. I'll just give you one illustration because I could tell you many horrible stories. But this is the one Carrie likes to tell the most. Something happened somewhere between the blueprint and the construction. And in the master bedroom, which is supposed to have a master bath attached to it, we did have a master bath, plumbing work. The only problem is the space in between where the sink was and the bathtub was about yay big. So you literally had to turn sideways to get into the... I know, Debbie. I, to, to get into it and then to actually do your business, it was a chore. All right, let's just say it that way. I cannot believe someone would even buy it off of me. That was my experience being a builder. Can I just tell you something? Jesus is the best builder around. He doesn't make the mistakes that I would make in trying to build something. I learned my lesson. Just buy houses that are already built. Don't try to build them yourself. My calling was, had nothing to do with construction. I learned that very, very quickly. But Jesus knows what he's doing. Amen? He's a good builder. But every building not only has a builder, it also has a foundation. You can't build a house without a foundation. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 10 and 11 says, By the grace God's given to me, Paul said, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, speaking of the house of God, and someone else now is building on it. Paul's talking about the fact that he's been building and other people are coming and they're building uh, in, on this house as gift ministries. And he said this. He said, but everyone should be careful how they build. Build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that's already laid, which is what? Jesus Christ. The New Testament teaches us that Christ is the foundation. We're actually told that he is the chief cornerstone not just a cornerstone he is the chief cornerstone he's not only the foundation he's the the epicenter of the foundation he is the most important part of the foundation and listen the church today must be built on the foundation of jesus christ amen and no other so this is pretty cool he's not only the builder he's also the foundation right so elements of any building got to have a builder Got to have a foundation. And thirdly, you got to have materials, building materials. So in our case, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4, what did we learn? 
And you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. You and I are the building materials. It's amazing what he could do with people that are yielded, consecrated, and willing for God to build us together. And there's a lot of important lessons. We'll look at a few together. But he is taking each of us, and he's wanting to build us. We are the building materials. And by the way, um, as you can imagine, although I don't know a whole lot, I do know that uh, he, he once he takes these bricks and he puts us together, brick to brick, living stone to living stone. They don't normally, um, these days, we, we are accustomed, although in ancient times they would do it without a lot of mortar sometimes, but uh, now we'll use cement, right, to hold them together. We'll just butt them right against each other. They may not fit exactly right, right, because we all have some rough edges. But he puts us together, and he puts the cement, the mortar, of the love of God between us. And right right between Delaney and George. You say, well, we would never fit. We would never do. But you know what? In the kingdom of God, as the house of the Lord, the Lord will put people together that you would never, never imagine. And he puts his love to cement us together as each living stones. It's amazing what he can build out of us. I like to also remember the fact that he builds us as living stones into something the house of god is not just a pile of rocks just saw a pile of rocks so what is that oh that's just a pile of rocks the same pile of rocks and materials built by a wise builder all of a sudden becomes what a beautiful home a beautiful building sometimes i think the church acts like a pile of rocks we don't cooperate with the builder to allow us to be built together, to be cemented together, to allow God to do whatever adjusting and cutting, trimming, cementing that he needs to do. He doesn't, make just, he doesn't just throw a pile of rocks there. No, we have to go through the process of being built together. Now, what is the purpose? We have these elements all together. What is the purpose of a house that is built by Jesus Christ? The scripture told us, we already read it very clearly, what the purpose is, the whole purpose is to become a dwelling place for his presence. Ephesians chapter 2, 21. And in him you too are being built together. Everybody say together. To become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Get this. Individually. Yes, individually. The Holy Spirit lives and abides within us. That's what makes us living. If it weren't for that, we'd just be a rock. All right? But because he's regenerated us, we're now living stones. And then when, he, when we allow him to build us together, all together, one next to the other, one next to the other, in whatever configuration he chooses, together we become a building, something that's constructed, designed to do what? To house the presence of God. Have you ever noticed that there's something different about when the corporate body gets together? There's something different when we praise and worship God together as a body than there is you individually. Both are important. 
And by the way, there's a direct relationship between the quality of praise and worship we have when we get together corporately and the relationship that you're having during the week. Direct correlation, all right? You don't pray, you don't talk to God, you don't praise God, and then you show up Sunday morning and you want to worship God. It does have an effect, okay? But the idea is that we come together and we know God's building us together. We're learning to live in community with one another. And the result is God comes by his spirit and his presence and he fills that community, that building with his presence. That's a glorious thing. You come together corporately. They're, they're, I don't care whether you have 100 people or 1,000 people. It's an amazing experience when you begin to sense the manifest presence of God. We know that God's always with us. We're two or three gathered. He's there. He promises that. But there's also an extension of that where his presence becomes manifested, where it almost becomes so thick you could cut it. You can sense it. Actually, even in your physical senses, even if you don't feel like you have any discernment at all, you can actually sense it sometimes. You go, ooh, something's going on. It's nothing to be spooked about. It's simply God's presence. It's a sign that what? We're being built. And we're to be together. We're to be a dwelling place. Can you imagine if more churches would allow God's presence to be peaked in their midst on a regular basis and it changes you, it takes you individually from glory to glory? Can you imagine the effects we'd have on our jobs in the community, in the park, in the schools? Can you imagine all of a sudden with this heightened level of the sense of God's presence, the, the, the smell, if you will, of God's presence on our lives as we go into the world, we go into our jobs, and people begin to sense there's something different about those people. Why? Because we're the house of the Lord because God's presence has marked us and we're we're we literally are carrying something with us because of what God has done in our midst wow that's exciting to me I want to wrap up with just a few lessons and I don't have time to spend on each of them but I do want to mention them number one every stone is different I mean, that's good every stone is different even these bricks I brought, they're, all, they're fairly similar. They have some differences. But, I mean, we're real different. Some of us are rounded on the edges. Some of us are square on the age, edges. Some of us are larger than others. Some of us have more hair than others. We're all different, right? Yes. All different. And yet, as an individual living stone, my uniqueness to the... If it's just in a pile, it doesn't mean anything. But being built together with others, we become something together. But part of the beauty of the wall, part of the beauty of the house, is the uniqueness and the diversity of the individual parts of it. It's incredible. Second lesson is this. No single stone alone can fulfill God's purposes. In other words, it doesn't work for just the stone to act independent. This stone over here alone does not make a house. It has to cooperate with what God is doing and allowed to be built together with other living stones. And I've also found that sometimes that other living stone I don't even like initially. Don't look at me like you're real righteous. I mean, sometimes the stone God puts me next to, I'm like, oh, God, come on. Come on. And, and it's just like, uh, just let me work on you here. Let me work on you. 
No single stone can fulfill God's purposes alone. We need one another. We can't act independent, just like we learned in the study of the church as the body of Christ. We're to be mutually dependent, interdependent upon one another. The other lesson is that there's a place for everyone. There's a place for every kind of stone to fit. Maybe you're not a part of a spiritual house yet. I'd urge you, whether it's Riverbend or whether it's another church, find a house that you can be built into the construction of that house as a living stone. Because there's a place. God has a place for you. Find out where it is. Get rooted. Get grounded. Get involved. And become something greater than you can be alone. Number four. Every stone has to be related to other stones. Do you notice that? You have to be. You don't have a choice. There's, there's no wall with one stone. So you're forced to have to relate with another stone. And by the way, the next lesson is we get changed. Sometimes these rocks, these are fairly uniform, as I said. These aren't really good fits for one another. And then God will say, have you ever watched masons at work? And they got all their tools, and they start hammering away on those rocks. They chip off this edge. They sand this off. They do that. Oh, it doesn't quite fit. Bring it out again. Do a little bit more cutting. How many of you feel like you've been cut on a lot? How many of you feel like, boy, God has really been shaving off the edges in your life? You know why? To make you fit in with who's next to you so that together we can be greater than we are as individual bricks. We're changed by the Spirit of God changing us, transforming us, dealing with us, convicting us, right? He's doing that ultimately so that we become a better, greater house for His presence. Finally, number six, as I've already mentioned, we're cemented by the love of God. That's what cements us. In my close, I just wrote down three statements. I just like, I'm going to make the statements that are kind of a review of what we've learned today and then i'd just like for you to repeat them with me i'm just mention them and then we'll say them together first of all is that we are living stones number two we are a spiritual house number three we are to be filled with god's presence if you just get those three lessons walk away today you'll be great all right would you say them after me number one say we are living stones we are living stones how about you make it personal say i am a living stone Number two is we are a spiritual house. Say that. We are a spiritual house. Good. And finally, we are filled with God's presence. We are filled with God's presence. Isn't that a great dimension to look at the church as a building, as a house, as a temple for God's glory? How many of you want to be a part of that building? You want to be a part of that building? I do. And I pray that you'll uh, let me rub up alongside of you. And uh, together, we won't always get along. We won't always agree. But together, God's presence will be powerful and mighty. Would you stand with me together? Hallelujah. As our prayer teams come forward, position themselves, I just want to invite you if you're here today and you know the truth of the matter is that you may be here and you're not yet a living stone you may be still really really inorganic just dead without Christ but you can become living today
by accepting Jesus Christ in your life. It's simply a step of faith. None of us deserve it, as we already said. But by grace, God unconditionally loves you, and He wants you to accept new life through Him. And I want to invite you today to pray this prayer with me in just a moment and ask Jesus to take over the management of your life. That's what it's like. That's, that's what being a follower of Jesus is all about. It's yielding management of our life to Him. Because the point of the matter is that when we tried to self-manage, we've made a mess out of things, haven't we? Even those of us who know Jesus, we fall into that and we make a mess of things. Following Jesus is letting Jesus be Lord, manager, in charge, in the driver's seat of our lives. So I invite you today, if you've never really truly made that decision, or maybe you have some background uh, following the Lord, but maybe, maybe you're far from it now. You need to get right with God today. I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me as well as a statement of recommitment. And then after we pray, I'm going to close the service, but I'm going to invite you to come forward and to declare that decision you've made. Let someone pray with you so that you can testify of the decision you made in your heart with these teams that are positioned here. They want to pray with you. So if you make, if you pray this prayer and it's really sincere with me this morning, I want you to come and share that with one of them. They'll pray with you, give you whatever you need to continue to grow. Or if you have a need in your life that hasn't been satisfied yet or some, you just need someone to agree in prayer for a need, feel free to take advantage of these prayer teams. Would you pray with me right now? Every head bowed, please, as we pray. And just in your heart, agree with this prayer as I pray it. Mean it from your heart. That's the only way it takes effect. Lord God, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you have a plan, an eternal plan for my life. I haven't been rightly related to you. I've been doing my own thing, and driving my own ship for way too long. But today I choose to repent, to turn around. I'm going to go in another direction. I'm going to follow you. Jesus, you said that you lived and died on the cross to pay for my sins. And that you were raised on the third day. I choose to believe that today. And I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. And from now on, I'm going to be a follower of yours. I choose to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ from this day forward. Now, Lord, renew me. Give me the strength that I need to serve you, to be a part of whatever house that you're building me into. We pray in Jesus' name.